0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we're going to be diving into Star Trek, but it's going to be really focused on feminism um, and some themes there. And I have with us our amazing producer, Lilith Tafola, who I am just so happy to have her on. She hasn't been on in like a year. So I'm just really excited to have her with us. She's done some amazing things for this show. Um, lined up some incredible interviews so and working on some other incredible things, so I'm just really excited to have this conversation with her. But before I have her introduce herself and tell me one thing she's into in pop culture, just a quick housekeeping note that we are, of course, taking listener support for as little as 99 cents a month to $9.99 a month. If you'd like to support the show, please head on over to our anchor page and click listener support there, or you can click the link in the show notes. And also our Redbubble store excuse me, is live, so if you need a new mask, a new sweatshirt, a new mug, anything like that, head on over there and pick one up. And remember, 50% of what we see from those two items does go to one Black Lives Matter organization per month, so you're not only helping us, but you're helping other people as well. Okay. So, Lily, tell me one thing that you're into in pop culture right now.
1: Thanks, Aaron. I'm really excited to be here right now. Um, I recently became obsessed with Lord of the Rings again. <laughs> I feel like I'm eight years old all over again. They recently have AMC brought them all back into theaters, and seeing it in theaters was just Um, It was really something else. And I didn't get to do that when I was younger. So it was fantastic. And I'm just, I'm reading the books again. And Mm -hmm. I, (laughs) 20 years later, the movies really do hold up so well. So (laughs) I, if you haven't seen them in a while, go back and watch them. They are fantastic.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. And that's one that I've only watched one Lord of the Rings movie, so I'm just <laughs> quickly hide away. Um, and we did an episode on Lord of the Rings, and I, it was very much like what this is going to be because I'm very new to Star Trek. So it was very much listening to people and listening to their connections. And there were some really amazing stories in there, um, especially from Sarah. Barnick, one of our very frequent um, panelists, uh-huh. so I highly recommend going back and listening to that. I don't know if you've listened to it, to it yourself, Lily, but yeah, it's it was very interesting to, to listen to. So someday, I promise, someday I will watch all of the Lord of the Rings movies. I promise. I know I'm horrible, but I will someday. <laughs> <laughs> And this is Erin, of course. And what I'm into, and I hate saying into when it's the subject matter that it is, but um, I've been watching the docuseries on HBO, um, F- Allen versus Pharo, all about Woody Allen and Mia Farrow, and all about how Woody Allen is a disgusting predator. And so it's very, very hard to watch. And it's not a happy thing at all, um, but it's very well done. And honestly, if you watch that, and you still side with Woody Allen, I don't know what to tell you. I think, I mean, honestly, his work speaks for itself anyway. I mean, just watch Manhattan, um, or don't watch it actually, but read up on what Manhattan is about. And if that doesn't tell you that he's just a disgusting creep, then I don't know what will. Plus, I mean, if you don't already think he's a disgusting tre- creep, then I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> You know, and it is just oh it just disgusts me that Hollywood just loves him so much still and they just offend him still to this day <sighs> anyway <laughs> same with Roman Polanski by the way um Okay, so let's get into our Star Trek discussion. And I know we're gonna focus a lot on feminism and how Star Trek deals with that, especially with the complexity of Gene Roddenberry.
1: Um,
0: But I wanna first ask you just sort of how you discovered Star Trek, how you got into Star Trek, and what it was about it that attracted you. Um, I think I was about five or six, but
1: my dad is actually a huge fan. And he would always have it playing when he would get home from work. And it was um, kind of a way for us to bond with our dad, my siblings and I. And we were all just very quickly obsessed. And it was kind of like a ritual, especially on the weekends, to go sit on the couch with him. And we'd all just watch it. (laughs) And um, I just have a lot of really positive family memories that center around Star Trek and being with my dad. And I remember being 10 and my dad bought a Klingon chess set. I don't know. Um, it's 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 a three-tiered <laughs> chess set. It's very odd-looking. It's difficult to play. But um, I still remember playing with him, even though I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> so for me, it's very nostalgic. It's very much a large part of my childhood growing up. And, um, you know, I'm very thankful to have had that experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny you say that because my dad loves loved Star Trek. Um, And I just remember him watching it all the time, the, the original Star Trek, and then of course, Next Generation. And I don't know, like I've said on here before, I haven't seen him in like 20 years, but so I don't know if he's still into it. But my dad was very much into sci fi. And he actually always wanted to be a writer. And he stopped being a writer, because he got a couple of rejections. And he always regretted that. Um, and he regretted that when he came back from Vietnam, he didn't use his um, GI Bill to go to a school to study literature and writing and all that. Instead, he just went to a trade school. Um, but so I, I have seen episodes and it does remind me of my dad very much. Star Trek, it I instantly think of my dad. Um, I instantly think of how he would watch it and say there's just so much depth here and there's so much going on and so much being said, and it's about so much more than space and so much more about that than that. And so I think it's really awesome that you kind of have the same kind of connection that even though I didn't get into it as much, it still reminds me of my dad instantly. There's nobody else I think of other than my dad. So.
1: Yeah, and it's you know I think it's fantastic. I think a lot of people have uh, similar uh, approaches to it. And they have similar memories with it. Um, the only difference I think for me is my siblings kind of stepped away from it as they got older, and I never did. <laughs> I <laughs> continued to be obsessed, and it was just it it was
0: just a fantastic. It, well, it still is a fantastic part of my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you know what's interesting about Star Trek is Star Trek gets praised a lot for being sort of ahead of its time, the original one, and then even the subsequent um, series after that. But I know that since then, it's been reexamined by a lot of people yes, (laughs) and been called out a lot on its sexism and that's a big thing that I know people have talked about. So I know that's a lot of what we're going to focus on. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know where you want to start with that. But um, I know with Gene Ronberry, that's where a lot of people have issues. Right. Um, you know, I even was reading a blog post all about how, you know, basically the, this blog post is titled, I'm going to get the title here, Gene Ronberry was a sexist pig yeah. <laughs> and other observations about Star Trek and sex. Yeah. So do you agree with that s- assessment?
1: Um, Only about Roddenberry. I agree with it. Um, I think he did tackle a lot of social issues in Star Trek. um, And the series premiered in the middle of the Cold War, you know, in 1960s America, uh, which obviously was a very racist, very sexist time for everyone living in America. (laughs) And, um, you know, but in the Star Trek world, race didn't matter. You know, it was so much more. So they were able to open up that discussion. Uh, A lot more and a lot better, and I think he did a really good job tackling race using uh, alien planets and having the crew make contact and make it peaceful and trying to figure out each other's differences and get along. And you know, and today we look back and we can understand like the the sexism, the racism that happened. Um, But I don't think we should go back and correct it or. Uh, try to take it off air, because I think it's an important reminder of how far we've come as a progressive society. And I think Star Trek, like you said, it was ahead of its time in many ways. And that was just one of them, because people on TV, you didn't see people tackling race back then. And then you had it here and people don't always realize it because it's kind of masked as, you know, these are aliens. and these are, <laughs> This is a new species. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and Uh, showrunners also attempted to kind of put women in their place a lot in the new in the uh, in the original series but you know you still see women in these positions like uh lieutenant uhura she's a lieutenant commander you know she's in a position of power the first black woman you know on tv well not the first one but uh in in space featured in a space type Mm -hmm. setting and I mean, it was just so inspiring to women and women of color <laughs> and, it, and it unintentionally inspired people to break barriers and strive for more. And I always think about um, Mae Jemison, the first Black woman in space. She has discussed in interviews how uh, Lieutenant Uhura's character uh, inspired her to go to space <laughs> when she was a little girl. And I mean, that's just fantastic. And Um, I think it really helps bring social change for working women back in the sixties, even if it was slow going, I think it really helped start and it started with
0: women watching it and saying, that's what I want to be. Yeah. And like I've mentioned time and time again on this podcast, it is so important to see yourself on screen. It is so important to be represented because if you're not represented it's like saying basically you're not you're not seen and i know people like to throw away that it doesn't matter and all that right. um but you you that's privilege to say it doesn't matter because it does matter it matters to see yourself and not and to see yourself as a fully fleshed out human being not just standing there not just background but to see yourself having you know real emotions being a real human being having any kind of power any kind of strength um and then also having that vulnerability and and just being a fully fleshed out character is so important and so i think that's what's so great about star trek Is if it did inspire women and the fact that it did inspire women to pursue roles that even today, even today are considered uh, more male (laughs) than female. And I think today it still is kind of an issue, too, because I know like in I know you do gaming and you work in Mm -hmm. in that industry and I'm sure it's still like, whew, that's still more (laughs) male dominated or at least they want it to be male dominated. So I think it's awesome that it inspired that. And how did how did Star Trek inspire you then, as a woman? How did it inspire you? Um, I watching it.
1: I I didn't. Wa- a lot of women say they wanted to become engineers or doctors, and or I wanted to be a commander. That's <laughs> you awesome. know, I, I wanted to be in charge. I just thought that was <laughs> the coolest thing ever, and. Um, I think one of the characters that always stuck with me was from Star Trek Voyager, uh, uh, Captain Catherine Janeway. She was the very first female uh, captain that was featured, and she led an entire series. And um, looking back, Voyager was probably the most progressive series out of every Star Trek, including, I mean, I don't know about the newer ones today, because they're not finished making them, but... Um, for me growing up watching her, it was, you know, she was a strong, uh, woman. She was so smart, but she was also so compassionate. She was very understanding. She wasn't my way or the highway. She was willing to debate and talk to anyone on her ship. You know, she didn't, uh, label people. She didn't treat them based on their rank. She was always just so fair. And <laughs> I feel like, um, and today a lot of people will have like a token female character and they'll celebrate, like, at least we have a woman, mm-hmm. but it was never like that. And she was portrayed and as the respectful, uh, and smart woman that she was, you know, they, they didn't try to, um, one of the criticisms people have about Catherine Janeway is that they desexualized her. And I don't think that's a criticism. I, um, I don't think she needed a romantic interest, you know, I don't. And I think that it reminds me of how women are told they need a partner or they need to have children in order to have a fulfilling life. And that just isn't true. And I mean, we really do need to go there. I think Janeway (laughs) saw the crew as her family and that brought her more than enough fulfillment. And so that I know people criticize her character for that, but I don't think I think that was that was good. I think that shows women that you can be all of these amazing things without a partner, you know, because mm-hmm. a partner doesn't make you, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, I just, I really, really took a lot of inspiration from her and I'm still going, I'm still finishing up my academic career. And I think about her all the time <laughs> when things get really difficult, when things get hard, she never backed down. She was always strong. She was always the one that was there to help people. And so it reminds me that I, I have to be like that too. <laughs> I'm not necessarily helping people, I'm helping myself, but it still is just, you know, years later looking back, it's still with me, her character mm-hmm. and everything that she was.
0: Well, and I'll just say, um, you may think you're not helping people, but I just want to speak from a personal standpoint. Mm-hmm. You, what you have done for my dream here (laughs) is is amazing. And your support of my dream is amazing. And the fact that, um, you know, I'm not going to say everything on here, but the fact that some of the stuff you have told me and how much you support what I'm doing, how much you want me to reach certain goals and how you've helped me reach certain goals that I've had on my vision board Mm -hmm. is pretty incredible. And I think you should take, that in and know that that that's that's a gift that you have, because um, not a lot of people want to do that. Not a lot of people want to help other people achieve their dreams and achieve their goals. And not a lot of people um, want to see other people shine um, and help them in any way and know that if other people shine, maybe they'll help you shine, that kind of thing. So I just want to make sure that, you know, because I know you said you're doing it for yourself. But honestly, what you've done for me personally is very selfless. I mean, incredibly selfless. But anyway, yes, I just want to make sure that you know that, that you take that in because, and especially if this, if Star Trek inspired you to be that way in any way, that's pretty incredible. I mean, that's pretty incredible that a show did that, that a show had that power to do that. And I think too often we like to kind of crap on that, for lack of a better word, and say, it's just a TV show. It's just a movie. It's just a book. That can't inspire you. But I know personally, you know, I've had experiences like that too. And so I think that's beautiful. I think that's amazing that you think of her when you're struggling or when you're trying to get through your academic life or anything like that. I think that is so beautiful and amazing. Um Yeah. So I just, I love, love hearing that. And uh, I can tell that's what made you into the amazing woman that you are. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, are there any
1: other characters
0: that inspire you in the show?
1: Um, Jane Way always comes to mind for, <laughs> she's like number one, and mm-hmm. it's really hard to find a second one. But um, I mean, I'd have to look at women like Deanna Troy. She was a counselor uh, on The Next Generation. And she was very strong. she was she was very she was a little bit soft spoken, but at the same time, she wasn't afraid to stand up for herself and others. and she she was very she wasn't one to start yelling and fighting. Everything that that she did was always very soft spoken, but very firm. And I think it's important to kind of learn that balance um of just you don't have to be so angry and loud. you know, sometimes just. Uh, the right words in an affirmed tone is all you need. Mm -hmm. And she was also, um, I know she was the counselor, but I think she became a lieutenant commander later on as well. And her character was very much a feminist. And her character um, was uh, very open about her sexuality. Um, She was straight, but she wasn't, I feel like a lot of TV shows back in the 90s tried to shame women for being open about things like that. And her character was not at all. It was very much a feminist approach to her love life and her romantic interests and what she wanted and no shame at all. And I really, really loved that. And there's also um, Deep Space Nine back in the 90s featured the first non-binary character and the first lesbian romantic interaction, which... (laughs) which was insane. I, you know, when you think about it for the nineties, right. And I obviously didn't watch it back in the nineties. I, you know, was born in 95. So, (laughs) but um, it's just another example of how ahead of its time it was, you know, featuring non-binary characters and the uh, character was Esri Dax. And I think showrunners were able to do that successfully without uh, criticism because Star Trek isn't really set in our present world. It's, you know, it's a fic- fiction, dystopian world. And so they're able to do so much with it. They're able to say whatever they want. They're able to kind of create their own storylines and give their own characters, their own backgrounds, their own sexualities, because we can't assume that aliens are the exact same as humans, right? <laughs> and um, I just think it's amazing, you know, looking back, that's one thing that people can see and say, wow, wow. That is amazing. You know, I guess not all of it was bad and with that being said though, the next generation did actively try to um, feature women in more nurturing positions, feature some of the other women only focusing on um, men and their romantic interests. So it was a little bit sexist in that regard, but you know, it still inspired so many women to become better versions of themselves. And it, I think women watching that knew that these women were being put in a box and they thought, no, that's not right. That's not true. And and you see it change as you, as the years go on, you see it change, you see it get a lot better, but I, I know that they were trying to kind of, you know, make men uh, higher up on the pedestal than the female characters. And, but nowadays it's gotten so much better.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and, you know, it's very true about women's sexuality. You know, it, it's, it's this weird dichotomy where people want to see women be very sexy and they want to sexualize women, but yet they only want to take it to a certain degree. And if a woman is very sexual in a show, a lot of times she's labeled the slut or she's the bad girl right. or stuff like that. Um, so if you ever have a woman owning her sexuality in any way or or owning that, having control and power over that that's very rare. It's rare today. I mean, it's sadly, it's still rare. Um, and it's still rare to see, um, you know, any healthy representation of, um, any, any women in the LGBTQ plus, um, community. It's very rare that you see any kind of healthy representation of that, especially if a woman is bi. I think that's an area that, uh, really needs improvement. Um, but yeah, so it's so it's great that they did some of that. I know there were some issues with that, but it's great that they did some of that, and especially having a character that wasn't shamed for her sexuality um, because it's so important. That's so important because women in the real world are shamed all the time for their sexuality. So it's very nice to have a show that that you know might not have done that all the time. I know that there were some issues, but it's still to have that. Yeah.
1: And Deanna Troy actually ended up marrying uh, William Riker. He was the, um, I can't remember his title, but he uh, was essentially the second hand for Captain Picard. William Riker never once judged her for her past. He um, very much Applauded everything she did, and he was very supportive. And I think that was also a very healthy example of a relationship, how a relationship should be. And, you know, it's, I feel like so many men look at their women and expect them to be these, you know, Kim Kardashian types, <laughs> but they want them to be. Pure, whatever that really mm-hmm. means, <laughs> and you know, and in the in the '90s, you had this show featuring a woman who very much embraced her sexuality and was not shamed for it. Her partner never shamed her for it; he actively supported all of her efforts
0: to become a commander. And I think it was just very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like. I mean, I haven't watched it, but it sounds like it. Um, and especially to have a man. Not judge that is incredibly important because men, you know, they want a, um, excuse me, but they want like a whore in the bedroom and they want a Madonna outside of the bedroom and they want, you know, they, you know, and I'm not, I mean, of course, not all men, blah, 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 but that's a lot of what men want um, is that. So to have a man not judge her past history or anything like that is, is really incredible and almost revolutionary. I mean, sometimes that word gets thrown around too much, but I think it is kind of revolutionary in that way, just because you don't see that very much for sure. Right.
1: Right. And, you know, looking back another example of why we can't sit here and cancel all of Star Trek, because there are so many good Mm -hmm. aspects to it, you know, and um, I know people just like Roddenberry, and I think that's, that's totally okay, but look at J.K. Rowling, um, who is obviously a very problematic person, but people love Harry Potter. They're not mm-hmm. willing to give that up. So I think it's very similar where, you know, it's okay to dislike the creator, but there is a lot of good that can come
0: out of what they created. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the, it's, you know, it's like what they call it with the death of the author. And it's basically claiming that work and claiming that media for your own i mean there's movies that mean a great deal to me like i've mentioned into the wild before on this show and that movie means a great deal to me and i know emile hirsch is incredibly problematic and i know sean penn is incredibly problematic but that movie personally means a lot to me um it speaks to me on a very deep deep level and that's the same way with you know right now with what's going on with um, Joss Whedon and just more people coming forward I mean that's been going on for a while but even more now um, and so having to be like you know can I still love Buffy and can Buffy still mean as much as it does to me when the creator is a misogynist a pred- probably a predator I mean just abusive and just a total all-around awful human being But yet he created this piece of media that means so much to me personally. So it is very much trying to separate um, the author from their work and knowing that you can still appreciate that while still criticizing and critiquing the creator. And I think that's important because like with J.K. Rowling, she's a a horrible transphobic person, but her work means so much to so many people. And it's the same with, with Star Trek. Yes. Yes, and I completely agree. I think you're right on the money there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything about Star Trek though or any in any of the iterations that you don't like or that you find is very sexist or problematic or anything like that?
1: Um, I think um for a lot of fandoms, the biggest issue I have is actually the fan base. There is just <laughs> so much gatekeeping. You know, and what like if a small kid, ten or or twelve years old today, discovered it, he would probably be shamed for not knowing all there is to know about it. And I mean, if if a young child came to me and wanted to know more about Star Trek, I would happily discuss it. Or even an adult, you know, just now discovering it and discovering that they love it so much, they would have a lot of trouble joining that fandom. And, I mean, I think you and I can agree on that with, like, Supernatural fans. Oh, <laughs> Lots yeah. Of- <laughs> Lots of issues and, there. I mean, it's it's very similar. And Star Trek, uh, there there are a lot of men in the Star Trek fandom, and they can be very vicious toward women uh, telling them that they're posers. They're just faking it for attention. And that is just not at all true. And you should never assume why someone is a fan of something, because I think it's better to just assume they are a fan and that's it. <laughs> um, but, and I and I think the other thing I don't like is the discussion around um, canceling Star Trek, quote unquote, because um, I understand about Joss, Joss Whedon uh, and Roddenberry and uh, Woody Allen. They're not good people at all, but they have created something so amazing, something that has affected people and will continue to affect people for decades to come. And I think it's important that we we keep it. I think it's important, you know, even the bad parts, even the parts that haven't aged well, I think it's important that we keep it and we see how far we've come you know, how progressive everything has been and how much has changed. And at the same time, you know, all these women that were inspired to become engineers or astronauts or even like Whoopi Goldberg was inspired by uh, Nichelle Nichols to become an actress. And I, I mean, Mae Jemison, Whoopi Goldberg, those are just two women that were two major women in history that were inspired by one female character. And I mean, think of all the women in the world or throughout time that have been inspired. And I think it's just, it's amazing to think of, but
0: we wouldn't have that if we took it away because we didn't like the creators. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's a very good point because it is something to struggle with. I do think, um, you know, I do think that those creators shouldn't be allowed to create anymore. Um, I do think they shouldn't, necessarily be allowed to profit all the time off of what they've created, especially because if it's hurt other people, I I do think there is that aspect of it. Like I don't think Woody Allen should be allowed to make movies anymore. I don't think Roman Polanski should be allowed to make movies anymore. I don't think Brian Singer should be allowed to make movies anymore. I think it's disgusting that Bohemian Rhapsody got a lot of attention and I still feel shame for even seeing the movie, to be honest. Um, because I think there does come a point where if you do know that creator is a bad person, then they should stop being allowed to create. It doesn't mean you have to stop loving the stuff they created before, but I think it does mean you have to stop giving them those opportunities because there are so many other people that deserve those opportunities. And, you know, I think that's very true of like actors too. like, you know, Kevin Spacey should never be in another movie ever again or another show or another Broadway play. Nothing like that because he's scum. Harvey Weinstein should never be allowed to make another movie. That kind of thing. But you can still appreciate the stuff that came before. Um, But yeah, yeah. I just just think there is... That's the one thing is that I do think they shouldn't be allowed to create anymore Uh, because to me, if they're given that, then it's kind of like saying it's okay you were this bad person. We'll still give you a chance. You know, like, I'm I'm predicting, um, you know, with, like, people like Shia LaBeouf, who recently, um, you know, his exes recently came out, and um, he's a horrible human being, horrible, uh, horribly abusive. And I have this feeling with him, he'll go away for a little bit, come back and say he's gone, he's changed, he's a better person, and he'll get this redemption, because he's a white male, and... He, in Hollywood and that just happens a lot. So that's the one thing that does need to change. I will say that, but I do agree. I don't think people should be punished for liking stuff that came before, you know, like I'm still going to love Buffy. I'm still going to appreciate that show. And we're going to be talking about Buffy again later this year. And we're going to be talking about the fact that we are struggling with that. Um, But yeah. Yeah. So I, I do I do agree with you there. And with the gatekeeping, I do want to go back to that just a little bit with the fans. Because I want to say, um, when I started this podcast, one of the first episodes we did, of course, was Star Wars, which you were on that one. Um, it was a two-parter. And we were going to do Star Trek right after that. And I had a lot of people <laughs> come to me, a lot of women come to me and say, you do not want to do that because you want to be established for a while. You want to be around for a while because the men are going to come for you. If you do that, you're going to have fanboys coming for you. Yeah. I was told that by a couple of women. They said, let them come. (laughs) Well, that's the way I feel about it now. I will say, knock on wood, we've been very blessed that way. We haven't had too many like bad guys come around. I will say we've been blessed that with that and, and the men we've had on this show and stuff like that have been all good guys so we've been blessed in that way but I was told that and there is that part of me going I wonder if that's gonna happen I don't know um but but I just want to go back to that because have you experienced that yourself personally being in this fandom have you experienced the sexism of the fanboys or anything like that
1: yes I've had experiences with two types of fanboys uh the first type are the ones that are really obsessed with um Star Trek and then the second ones are people that aren't obsessed with Star Trek, but they make fun of you for being, you know, into geek things, quote unquote. And that was very much uh, in school. It was more of that type. Um, but the first type, they, I mean, they get condescending and they start asking you questions like, okay, well, what happened in this episode of this season? And <laughs> Like, these are not fair questions to ask, you know. Uh, I, I know you love Buffy but I don't think if I asked you a very specific question you'd be able to really answer it and it doesn't mean you're not a true fan you know Mm -hmm. and it just they and they try to make you feel uh stupid for not knowing the answer or for not keeping up on it as much and even um some people take it a step further and they keep up on the actors' lives. And if you don't know something going on in their life, oh, you're not a real fan. And it's like, I, I'm i a fan, not a crazy person. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's also another um, thing that I've always dealt with. And I haven't dealt with it recently, but that could also be because of the pandemic. I haven't really met a lot of new people. <laughs> But um, I'm sure it'll continue to happen. I'm sure I'll continue to meet people that, you know, question it, uh, question that validity. But I think it's also becoming less and less acceptable to be like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I have also encountered uh, men who do that, but but then they have friends that say, that's not fair. Don't say that, you know. Uh, And it's just, it's ridiculous all around. But I think it's slowly starting to die out because now more and more women are getting into this fandom and becoming a part of it. And it's kind of more everybody's show, not just men, not just men in science. Now, you know, I was reading today a a blog post from a a woman that was pursuing her PhD. And she talks about how uh, Catherine Janeway also inspired her, you know, throughout it. And I think, I think it's important for women to have these inspirations you know, and I don't know what men are getting out of it <laughs> beyond like the, the sci-fi part of it. Because I don't hear a lot of men discuss how they've been inspired, how it has changed their life and how they learned to be a leader or they learned uh, compassion and understanding. Uh, but I do hear that a lot from women. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, men... Men love to mansplain. And men (laughs) you know, uh, my sister and I were just talking about that last night. She was going off about a coworker who was just mansplaining to her how to do her job and treating her like she was an idiot. And it is this weird power dynamic. And I feel like I've been talking about this on a lot of episodes recently um, about men and their power dynamics and how they don't they get very threatened very easily. That The male ego is a very, very, very fragile thing. <laughs> I mean, it really is incredibly fragile. So and, easy to break. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It takes nothing to break the male ego. Um, just listen to our Promising Young Woman episode, and we talk a lot about, about that, how fragile that ego is and how it takes so little. And so I think for men, it's like, they're threatened by it for some reason. They're threatened by women being into the same things that they're into. They're threatened by that because it's somehow their thing, quote, unquote, their thing. And it's not okay for a woman to like it, which is such bullshit. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting, interesting thing. Because you'll also find it with women in certain fandoms, too, where it is that oh, yeah. gatekeeping thing. Um, but I think men do it to this degree where they also want to insult you for being a woman. And like you said, test you and test. And that's, that's what's so annoying. Like, you know, I had friends when I was in high school, guys who would sit there and they'd want to debate you about the color of the sky, literally about the color of the sky. And it's like, why, what, what are you getting out of this? Are you just thinking you're going to just belittle me so much that it's going to make yourself feel better. I think that's probably a lot of what it is, is this fear. Insecurity
1: as well, Mm -hmm. like of their own intelligence.
0: (laughs) Yes, of their own. I like that, of their own intelligence. I think that's really what it is. I think it's, you know, men want to be in control and they want to be up here and they want to be high above everybody else. And so if a woman's going to come in and threaten that in any way, that's just not okay, and so they have to find a way to test that and to push beyond that and you know it's it's the whole thing of like you know why don't you smile or you 'd be so much prettier if you just smiled more <laughs> it's that whole thing where they fit where they like well i 'm just complimenting yes. you, and it 's not a flippant yeah. compliment it's no. basically saying you must do this. You're just, I mean, you're, you're worthless if you don't smile, you're worthless if you don't look like this, if you don't say the right thing. You know, and I think that's what you'll find in fandoms like this. And I'm sure, you know, we've talked before about how in cosplay, you'll have a lot of men feeling it's okay to sexualize a woman when they're cosplaying too. It's yes. that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah.
1: They're, they're cosplaying like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what, why it is so hard for so many men to, you know, control themselves mm-hmm. but you know men, men hurt themselves in that regard especially too you know they make themselves seem like you should cover up because I can't control myself and you know <laughs> are you like are you really that much of an animal and I and I know obviously <laughs> like you said earlier not all men but that is just how men approach it that's you know the, like we were talking about earlier um women embracing their sexuality uh with Deanna Troy and Star Trek Um, she did get slut shamed a lot outside of the show, Mm. but in the show, nobody cared. And I think that's how it should be. Mm. And
0: I think, I think men need to stop caring so much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. They need to stop wanting to control our bodies and who we are and what we do. Um, because trust me, women will like you more if you don't do that. I mean, it's, I mean, honestly, it's, a very rare find. It's sad when you like find a man and you're like, wait a minute, you know about this bullshit, excuse me, and you can call it out and you like are fine calling it out and you're not threatened by that. And you're not threatened by this. And it's so rare. And when you do find it, it's like, you kind of are like, nah, this, the other shoe is going to drop. And this person is not that way because sometimes that is what happens is sometimes you'll have a guy who is the quote unquote nice guy Yes. And they'll present themselves like that. and then, But there's, always, there's usually red flags, but then they end up not being that way. So it is very mm-hmm. rare. And I think especially when you're dealing in anything like this, which for so long it, it, within gender dynamics, um, it's been talked about that women who like sci-fi, that women don't like sci-fi as much as men. And that's a very right. male genre. And I know we both said our dads were into it, but that doesn't mean – that, you know, moms aren't into it or, you know, women yeah. aren't, or female identifying aren't into it. Um, and, you know, on an interview that will be airing actually next week right after this one, um, I was talking um, to people about how in horror, you know, it's the same thing. Women, it's still hard for women to be taken seriously in that genre because it's thought of as a male genre. So it's like you've got sci-fi and horror and those are both thought of as male genres. And they're not. Women appreciate them just as much. I mean, actually, statistically, sometimes more. So it's just this thing that needs to kind of go away. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I
1: I completely agree. And, you know, going back to our dads, our dads never told us this is only for men. This isn't, you know, for women. Our dads, my dad at least, really celebrated that all of his daughters were willing to watch it with him and were really into it. And uh, my dad still buys me Star Trek memorabilia every once in a while. <laughs> awesome. and I, I really appreciate that. And its um, I, I think it's wonderful that um, we had dads that would do that for us. And I think it just goes to prove that it's just some weird social uh, thing that men have created thinking that it's only for them and not for anyone else. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, because I will say, I mean, my dad is not the healthiest person at all and did some stuff, but my dad did give me a great appreciation for, for like, music, as I've said, different things, and for and for genres. I mean, for genre, um, because he loved sci-fi and he loved horror. My mom cannot watch horror. My mom just, you know, she's it terrifies her. It still kills me that she actually went and saw The Exorcist in, the, in a theater when she hates horror. <laughs> she tells that story all the time because she said her – her her uh knuckles were white from ripping the seats <laughs> <laughs> so yeah she's and but my dad is my dad showed me like alien when i was really young and would always show me horror movies we would watch horror together constantly and he never ever was like You're a girl and you shouldn't watch this stuff because you're a girl. He was just like, cool, this is awesome that I get to share this with my daughter and I get to be like, this is a passion for my of mine and I get to share it with her. And, you know, I mean, he would like I said, he would show me Star Trek and he'd show me Next Generation, probably more than the original one, but he original Star Trek. But so we would watch those and he would talk about that a lot and he would talk about books and sci-fi and all that kind of stuff because he loved it so much and he had always said he wanted to live vicariously through me in the writing aspect of, of my life. And so I think that is a blessing. That's one thing that I will always, always appreciate and love that I got from my dad because, you know, I... I still love those genres and I still love watching them, especially horror more than anything. Um, so it's just, I really appreciate that it was never like you're a girl and to watch this is a bad thing. And so I'm glad that you had the same thing and that your dad still buys you Star Trek memorabilia is just so cool. I mean, that's just, that's just so awesome that he didn't, that he doesn't like, no, nope, grow up, get out of it kind of thing. That's exactly. awesome. <laughs>
1: Well, last year for Christmas, I bought him uh, a commander uh, shirt so that he could uh, wear. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a sweater. <laughs> so we kind of that's do awesome. it to each other, but it's, it's, um, it's, just really, it's just really nice. Something I'm really glad I got to share with my father and I'm glad he encouraged it. And I think, you know, I think a lot of other women probably have similar stories of their dads getting them into it, which just further, uh, yeah. which just further tells that it's not just for men. You know, mm-hmm. men love being able to introduce their daughters to these things. And, you know, I mean, men play baseball with their daughters, men play football with their daughters. And I, I mean, there are so many things that are seen as only male pursuits, but they're not, mm-hmm. they're really not. It's just that women aren't, women aren't given that focus like men are, you know, at a young age, they're put in soccer, football, baseball, and, you know, women are put in ballet dancing, <laughs> other, you know, what are seen as women's hobbies, I think, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Well, I want to, you talked already about Voyager a lot. Are there any other favorite iterations of Star Trek that you like or that you want to talk about or mention?
1: Um, I think a lot of people are not going to like this, but I actually really enjoyed the Star Trek movies with Chris Pine. And... And I understand the criticisms that people had. I, I completely understand. I am a diehard Star Trek fan. I understand that uh, they changed the timeline big time. They really went and just uh, completely threw a curveball at the original timeline. But they acknowledged that they changed it. They acknowledged everything that they did and kind of tied it all together. And I thought it was just it was beautiful. It was amazing. And you get to see Star Trek and a completely different perspective in those movies. And it was, it was fun. It was a Star Trek adventure. There was, um, exploring, they were learning new things They were solving problems. And it was just, to me, it was a classic yet. It was new at the same time, if that makes sense. (laughs) Uh, And I, I haven't been able to, um, watch any of the new Star Trek series that have been out, like Discovery uh, or Picard. Uh, They're on my list, but just very busy. (laughs) Um, But, you know, Star Trek is such a vast open world. They have so much that they can still do with it. And I think those movies were just uh, an example of what they can do. They can take it to a completely different timeline and create a completely new story, but still tie those two timelines together to be one. And, um, I hope that people watching it, I mean, I hope there, I know there are so many people that got into it because of those movies. And I think that that is just so wonderful. And I hope that people watching it are able to take away from it the same experiences and inspiration that myself and many others have.
0: Yeah, that's, I love that. Yeah. And I, I own the first Star Trek movie that came out with Chris Pine. I own that one. So I will say, (laughs) <laughs> I think it's funny <laughs> I didn't mention that before because I actually really like those movies because well I've said before that next to Chris Messina Chris Pine is the best Chris of all the chrises I know there's always that debate and I think he is far and away above them the only other Chris above him is Chris Messina but I I adore Chris Pine and I like those movies a lot and I was surprised because I was like. I've never really been into Star Trek as much. I wonder if I'm going to like them, and I really did. I really did, and and I guess that's wrong in <laughs> the whole fandom <laughs> around it. But I did really like them, and I and I thought I thought Chris Pine was great. I thought um, Zachary Quinto was great. Um, I thought they were really well done, and yeah, and I just always love to see. Um, Chris Pine and anything, honestly. <laughs> I am such a such a fan of his. I just I love watching him. I think he's a really underrated actor. Uh, I think people too often look just at his looks because he is an absolutely gorgeous man. Oh, I mean, yes, yes, There's no sure. denying that he's a gorgeous <laughs> man. But he's also a really good actor, and so I thought he did really good in him too. So I think that's cool that you like those. So.
1: <laughs> a lot of a lot of people will tell you that they don't like them and they'll accuse you of not being a real fan if you do, but I think
0: they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those, it's another gatekeeping thing where yeah, you're yeah. only a real fan, quote unquote, or a true fan or mm-hmm. you're, you know, that kind of stuff. If you number one, like with shows, you'll find it where if you watched since, since season one and if you, you're coming in late, you're not a true fan, Ugh. which is such BS. I mean, yeah. art should be discovered through generations and generations and if it is discovered then that speaks to how good that art is so yeah yeah so I think I think that's awesome that
1: you like that too because I'm like oh yeah I own that movie <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that AMC brings them back in theaters because if that happens I'm definitely gonna go see it
0: <laughs> yeah well like I said seeing Chris Pine any anything so yeah Uh, See, listeners, there are other actors I can mention other than, like, George Clooney or Kelvin Harrison Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, and I know you've already mentioned a little bit about how Star Trek and and certain characters have inspired you. Is there anything, and your connection, of course, with your dad and the show, is there anything else that it has affected in your life or anything else that it means to you that you want to talk about? Um,
1: I've learned how to... (laughs) be curious and ask questions because in Star Trek, they're constantly learning and exploring. That's literally their main directive. And I think that that is a solid blueprint to lead one's life. I mean, you'll, if you're constantly learning, constantly exploring and working on yourself, you'll never get bored and you'll never be boring. I mean, an adventure can come in many forms. And, you know, this past year with COVID, uh, adventure was put on pause for a lot of people, but they didn't stop. You know, they didn't. They weren't just happy to sit at home and do nothing. Um, we saw people um, take up new crafts and learn how to make things from their home, whether it was baking, knitting, embroidering. I've been seeing a lot of rug making lately. That's actually really cool. <laughs> and um, I think it's important to just always be learning. And Star Trek is all about asking questions, finding out more. And I think, I hope that that's something I can pass
0: on to my future children if they're not fans of Star Trek as well. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Well, before we wrap up, I just want to make sure there was nothing else you wanted to touch on before we wrap up. Okay. I think I got, I think I got everything. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think this was a great discussion, Lily. I really (laughs) appreciate it. And I think we touched on a lot of really important things that are important to this show as well. Um, So I just appreciate you joining me and I, I think I've got you down for some more upcoming episodes. I hope so Uh, (laughs) because you're so behind, you're behind the scenes. She does. Yeah. Honestly, listeners, she's done so much for this show already so far and she's just always has different ideas and she's so encouraging. So if you are a fan of this show at all, and you like this show, and especially now that she started being a producer in, in January. So now that she's a producer, I mean, honestly, you have to thank her as well. So I just want to make sure you know that. Um, because I, I know I've already told you a couple times, but I'm telling you again, because I really do appreciate it. it. It means a lot. Because as you know, this is my baby. And I, and it means a lot to me. And I, I devote, 90% of my life to the show. Um, I don't know if that's sad or not, but I'm just kidding. Um, I,
1: I really believe in what you're doing, Erin. And thank I think
0: you. It's, it's wonderful. And I'm so thankful to be a part of it. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Okay. okay. Well, if you want to just close out and just tell everybody where they can find you and if you have anything personal to promote at all as well. Um, so I'm on Instagram. I only
1: use Instagram right now. I'm really bad at every other social media, uh, but you can find me at Lilith Carmen. Um, I like to go hiking and I don't post very often, but when I do, there's usually birds involved. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And I'm the exact opposite. Like I'm good at Twitter. Like at least I think I am because I'm on there all the time, but Instagram confuses me so much. And I do not know why it confuses me. I, I, I don't know why, what it is about Instagram. That's why I love that the other Erin, she, you know, handles our Facebook and Instagram accounts because, and I, I mean, what she has done, is incredible those accounts. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, this you make it look so easy. How do you? I don't, I don't know. i am just I don't understand the whole thing about it. I don't know why, but I'm glad I have someone helping me with that. Um but this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom pod. no it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any show notes, feedback, if you'd like to be a potential guest on the show, feel free to reach out to myself or Lily. It'll be one of us that'll answer it at itsafandomthingpod at gmail.com. And on our next episode, we have another great interview coming up. I mean, I have just been spoiled with these interviews. Um, We are interviewing the directors. Well, I already interviewed them, so it's already been recorded. But um, the directors of Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street and since they just said call us by our first names it's Tyler and Roman um and they are just two great amazing wonderful human beings and i think it's an excellent conversation and you'll just love it and and watch the documentary beforehand you can rent it you can watch it on shutter all of that so that will be a lot of fun i'm really really looking forward to that and that and also next week we are going to be talking about a movie that Aaron Loves to a level that I think I'm going to embarrass my whole panel. But Donnie Darko, we're gonna be talking about Donnie Darko, and you have no idea how much I love this movie. And well, we probably do because I've said it before, but oh my god! So I'm so excited to talk about that, and we have an amazing panel for that one, too. So, um, and then we're also going to be talking about Doctor Who, so we're doing a lot of science fiction as you can tell. Um, so until next time, remember it's a fandom thing and black lives matter. Thank you again for listening to it's a fandom thing. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple podcasts and follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Our logo was designed by Brooke belly with cover art by Carla Temis. Additional research was done by Megan Archuleta. Our Instagram and Facebook content producer and creator is Erin Amos. And our producer is Lila Tefola. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe. And remember, keep that fandom spirit alive.